was weak. Morning, Stonebridge. That's what I'm talking about. My name's Matt. I'm one of the pastors here. Good to be here with you this morning. Um, I first just want to talk about um, the exciting challenges that come with going to two services starting next week. So um, if you remember, if you were here a few months ago, uh, one of my youth leaders growing up, Scott Rieger, came and, and, and taught and preached. And we were having lunch after, after the message that day, after the service, and talking about different things with church. And he's like, you know, one time uh, my pastor came up to me and said, hey, you know, we're, we're starting to grow as a church and we're trying to reach the next generation. And so we have a lot of young families coming. And so we're going to need some more help with the children's ministry. And I know that serving in the children's ministry isn't your first choice, but you're good with kids and you have kids. Would you be willing at least for a season to help us out? And he reluctantly said, okay, fine. So (laughs) he helped out and five years later, he's still helping out because he loved it. Now, I'm not saying if you help out in our children's ministry, you're going to love it. Okay, that's not necessarily going to happen. I'm just asking if you call this home that you would consider it. Um, it's with regret that I have to announce that our first and second grade classroom will not be available starting next week until we can find enough volunteers because we just don't have enough right now. And we need five more volunteers just to cover age zero to kindergarten and then eight additional to bring back first and second grade classroom. Now you might be wondering, why do you need so many people? What's going on? Well, there's two services, but um, our D6 team set out a couple goals in restructuring some things for the better. And the first is to have consistency in volunteers for kids and parents' sake, right? You wouldn't be okay with sending your kids to school and them having a different teacher every day, okay? But we're, we seem to be okay with it around here. And we're just saying, no, we, for the kids' sake, for the teacher's sake, and for the parents' sake, let's get some consistency and build some relationships. Odd thing, building relationships in churches. Weird. Um, but... The second thing, we want to guarantee that volunteers only serve half the time. So two weeks on, two weeks off. And every time you serve, you also get to come to a service because we have two services. In the past, it's been kind of like, well, serve this amount. Oh, actually, we need you a little more and then a little more. And we're just saying, no, absolutely not. But in order to do that, we have to have enough volunteers. So um, if you could take out your phone, I know that's weird that I'm asking you to take out your phone. And I'm giving you permission this morning while I'm preaching for you to be distracted by your phone and go to stonebridgeboon.com, scroll down a little bit, click sign up if you want to do that, if if God's laying that on your heart. Okay, enough about that. Um, We're in Acts, in the book of Acts, and today we're in Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 42. And while you're going there, I wanted to, to point out a couple of environments in our world that I think we could really learn a lot from. I think there's also some things with these environments that we shouldn't learn from. But run with me for a second. So the first is bars. The second is game day at football stadiums. All right, so bars. L- let me just give you a little jingle, and I think you'll know what I mean. Dun, 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 dun. Something like that. I haven't seen the show that much. Um, but Cheers, where everybody knows your name, right? So who's seen Cheers? Let's just, okay, all right, all right. We're, you're, most of you are here with me, so everybody knows your name. And, and just think about it, though. There's something in a bar environment. People are just open and authentic about real stuff, often with complete strangers. 
Okay? And, and there's this come as you are, everyone's welcome here mentality, right? And people notice when the regulars are missing, right? So they, in one sense, they have really good community going on. I think we could learn from that. Game day, okay? Now, think about this. Any of you guys who have been... Are we, yeah, so think about game day, all right? People are taking selfies with random strangers, right? It's just, I don't know who that guy is, but he told me, I was like, hey, can I, can I post this or do whatever I want with this? Oh, yeah, man, this is awesome. Go Chiefs. It was, it was great. Um, so, but, right, you're walking around and people are grilling and they're just handing you, you know, random, wonderful uh, 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 grill creations. And they're like, here, and I, I don't know who you are, but go Chiefs. And you just take it. And, it, you know, it's just kind of weird when you step back and think about it. Um, but, you know, everyone's, you get into the game and everyone's doing the same chants together, right? Like, like this. Sorry, it's sideways. That's a... That's beautiful. That is beautiful. Oh, we just missed it. That was Kirk Cousins when he was with the Redskins. Sorry, Vikings fans. But um, he, uh, he missed a pass on third down. It was great. Um, but you guys, you know how it is. And then after the victory or defeat, everyone's rejoicing or crying together, right? Or maybe not crying, but maybe doing other things. But um, it's like your family, right? And everyone craves this type of community. Everyone just instinctively wants this type of togetherness. It's hardwired in us from God. And so in Acts 2, we're going to see them having this sort of community. So check it out with me. Acts 2, 42 to 47. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. Praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. They were devoted to what I'm calling togetherness. I don't know if that's a word. It is now. Togetherness. It's fellowship. It says they devoted themselves to fellowship. It's, it says they were together twice in here. They had all things in common. They had generous hearts. Now here's what this togetherness was not. It wasn't communism. Okay, the ESV Study Bible, which is a great resource, says this. This is clearly not the case. Since one, the giving was voluntary and not compelled by the government. And two, people still had personal possessions because they still met, it says in verse 46, their homes. And many other Christians after them still owned homes, which you'll see in the remainder of Acts. It's not communism. Second thing it is not, it's not without disagreement or relational brokenness. Okay, when you read this, you're like, oh, wow, this is a perfect utopia. They all got along all the time. Nope. They're still sinful people who get mad at each other on occasion and maybe more than on occasion, right? And had disagreements. It says they had all things in common. That just means they were really open-handed with their stuff. 
They had a common goal. That goal was following Jesus. But just because you share your stuff and you have a common goal doesn't mean you don't have disagreement, right? We can all attest to that. Here's what it is. Here's what togetherness is. It's a family. It's describing here what should be natural, ordinary life in Jesus' family, the church. We should treat God's family, other people who are following Jesus, just like our own flesh and blood, our own biological family, right? When, the, when your child's in the ER, everyone in the family rushes to the ER. When your spouse is running a 5K, everyone's there cheering them on, go. Why, I don't know why you'd run a 5K, but go, yay. When it's supper time, hopefully... For a lot of families, some of the time at least, you you get together and eat. It's family. And it says they were all in on this. Verse 44, all who believed were together and had all things in common. This actually means all of them. That's why it was so amazing. Everyone was in. Every single person. But we quickly see by chapter 5, Everyone's not all in, and disaster starts to happen. But Ryan Graydon can deal with that when we get to it. Um, <laughs> love you, Ryan. Imagine if, imagine if every single person in here this morning was devoted to this type of togetherness. It would change the world. And I, I really believe that, if we were devoted to this type of family environment. So what does devotion to get togetherness look like? Well, if you remember... Earlier in this chapter, from last week, we learned that the Holy Spirit came. Okay, they were waiting for the, Jesus went up to heaven. They were waiting for the Holy Spirit to come and empower them. And so you would expect that now they're going to devote themselves to pulling rabbits out of hats, right? And teleportation and crazy stuff like that, right? And, and being bold witnesses. But while they did some of that stuff, maybe not pulling rabbits out of the hat, but Maybe they did, and it's not recorded. I don't know. But those were just the results of really mundane things. They actually devoted themselves to really ordinary things. Check it out. The first thing, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So for them, they were learning about following Jesus from the apostles. The apostles were men who walked with Jesus. They had a close relationship with Jesus. So instead of, you know, we ha- when, when we want to hear the apostles' teaching, we have to open up to the book of John or 1 Peter, right? But imagine if we could just sit down with John and hear about his experiences following Jesus. It'd be incredible. That's what they were get, having to do. That's what they were getting to do. They were devoting themselves to that. And the apostles themselves, too, were using Scripture, the Old Testament. We saw Peter did that earlier in chapter 2. But they had to be together for this. And that's what's important. They were together hearing the apostles' teaching. So today, this looks like devotion to the Bible together. A couple weeks ago, when I was teaching, we were looking at a passage where they were devoted to all sorts of things, to Scripture, to prayer. And I, I really challenged you to be devoted to those things personally. But I think so often as Americans who are so focused on individualism, we miss the point that they were not 
going in a closet over here and locking the door and reading Scripture. They were reading Scripture together. And that's what we need to do today. At Stonebridge, it's happening right now. We're reading the Scripture together. It's being taught. Our women's ministry is, is going through the book of Acts at the same time, which it makes me a little nervous, um, to be honest. But uh, if you, there's two of our women's studies who are going through Acts, but I actually love it. So if you're studying the book of Acts, whether you're doing the women's study or just studying it yourself, Joey and I would love to hear your insights before we get there and love to share the things you're learning. That would be really helpful to us. Um, so that's another way that we do it here at Stonebridge. We get together and have Bible studies. In connection groups, we get together and read it and then figure out how can we apply this together. So, are you reading your Bible with other people? I mean, is it, can, you, can you just think through your week and is there any time where you're reading the Bible with other people? Why not grab a friend? Why not grab a spouse? And why not grab your children and just read the Bible together? So they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Secondly, they devoted themselves to eating together. You might be like, eating? That's so ordinary and seemingly insignificant for a group that's trying to change the world. Well, it says that they were breaking bread. That, that meant that they were probably sharing a meal together and then having communion with one another. So they regularly had people over to eat to remember, and then afterwards they would remember Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. So today... This would mean eating together with other believers on a regular basis. And I really think this should be done in our homes. That's what they did. Right? Because when you sit down to eat with someone, it's not like you're just consuming food together. And if it is, that'd be kind of awkward if that's all you did, right? You have people over and you just sit there and stare at each other while eating. Okay? No. This is, when they were eating together, you're learning about marriage. Right? You, you sit in someone's house. Maybe that's been married for a lot longer than you. Or, or maybe you're single and they're married and you're like, wow, that, I really want to emulate the way they're interacting right there. Or I really don't want to emulate what's going on there. You learn from each other, right? With parenting, you, learn, you get some tips they're, they're, they're in the way that they're dealing with their kids. You're listening to one another. You're loving one another. You know, when you share meals in your home with other people, it communicates that you actually are family. I'm not just saying that I belong to the body of Christ and they're my family. I'm, there's, you're saying there's not a part of my life that's off limits. Come into my home. Now, I'll never forget, there was this couple that was leaving, or not leaving, they were moving from, from a church the last church I was at, they were moving. And so the pastor asked them, hey, can you just give me some, uh, some tips at, for our church moving forward, some things that we could work on and improve on as a church? And they're like, yeah. In the 10 years we've been here, no one has ever had us over to their house. Nobody. Now what's ironic about that is Heather and I were over at their house countless times for meals and just to hang out. And they had an open-door policy. P- had people over all the time, but no one ever invited them to their house, including me. And that says something to people. 
That's how you build family. You eat together. Fear, comfort, insecurity, individualism, selfishness keep us from the easiest way to build this type of togetherness and community. Eating together. You guys know the saying, the way to a man's heart is through his stomach? It's definitely true of me. Okay? But I think the way to togetherness is also through the stomach. Eating together. All right. The third thing they were devoted to is praying together. We see in verse 42. So for them, it means that they got together and prayed. And for us, that means we should get together and pray. Okay? Pretty, pretty straightforward. Praying for each other, praying for other people, praying for the church, praying for the nation, praying for our world. Our connection groups that meet weekly are a great place to start. We share prayer requests and pray for each other. Fourth thing they were devoted to is to being generous with one another. Verse 45, it says, They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. So then... If someone needed food and clothing, a friend in the church family would sell their camel and use that money to help provide food and clothing for that person. If the apostles, the church leaders at the time, needed some necessities, people would give a portion of their crop yields to them to help them out. They were sacrificing their very possessions for others in their family, in their church family. It also meant when someone had a need, they didn't pretend like they didn't need anything. When someone actually had a need, they didn't pretend like everything was okay. Because they couldn't help each other if they didn't know the need. So today, when others have a need, we need to find a way to help them. At Stonebridge, our policy for people seeking financial assistance for people who attend our church is we say, hey, first go to your connection group. Go to your small group. And then the church will help out from there. And nine times out of ten, that connection group meets the need. Why do we do that? Because we want to emulate this. We want to encourage people to be family and have no parts of their life that are off limits, including their pocketbooks. So when we're in need, we run to each other and help each other out. You know, when you give financially to Stonebridge, your money goes to help people in need. It goes to missions. It goes to people in need right here in town and around the world. And it goes to the ministry going on right here. And our leaders here are faithfully being generous with your generosity. So two notes on generosity that I think we need to hear today. One, not asking for financial help when you need it is prideful and unbiblical. Not, ant, not asking for financial help when you need it is prideful and unbiblical. You're preventing other people from loving you well. You're preventing other people from being generous when you pretend like everything's okay when it's not. Second thing, not responding to the needs of others is selfish and unbiblical. Regardless of your financial situation, generosity is a heart condition. It's not a financial condition. Some of the most generous people I know have very little financially because they just make it work. Okay, well, 
you need some help paying your bill this month. Well, then we're going to give up something over here so that, so that you can pay for that. They're devoted to generosity. They devoted themselves to corporate worship. We see that in verse 46 and 47. So then it says they went to the temple daily. Okay, and it's unclear if they went and worshipped God at the temple because there's a Jewish temple. So did they go there and then go in their homes and add Jesus to the mix? Could have been that. Or maybe they just met in the temple courtyard and had their own little Christian gathering, which is kind of outside the main um, gathering going on. Either way, they all got together in large groups. And it says in verse, verse 47, they praised God. So there's probably singing going on. Certainly the apostles were teaching. There's prayer. And so what does that look like today? Well, you're doing it. Do this through worship music, to praise God and to to align our hearts with God's heart. Preaching of God's word. Communion. To remember Jesus' sacrifice. You know, many look at this passage and compare it to a lot of churches today and maybe even compare it to our church and go, what's going wrong? These things look very different. What is wrong with the church today? The problem with that is that they're only reading the first couple verses of this passage. And they forget the last few verses. And it says they devoted themselves. They were going to corporate worship and praising God every day. They were going to the temple every day. So they didn't throw out a gathering like this. They were doing this. They were committed to this. They also forgot that while this is a good pattern, In Acts 2, for church, it's a good pattern. It's descriptive of what's going on, not necessarily prescriptive. And that's actually the whole book of Acts. Acts is a narrative, a story of what happened in the early church. It's just describing what happened. Very rarely in the book of Acts does it say, do this, don't do that. So you have to be very careful with that. So why am I adopting any of these principles? Because if you've noticed, I've already basically adopted these as prescriptive. This is what we should do today. Well, the way you figure it out is by looking at the rest of Scripture. Does the rest of Scripture back up these practices? And you don't have to look far to see in Scripture back up prayer, reading the Bible together, generosity and fellowship. It's all over the Scriptures, right? So they were devoted to togetherness as described here in Acts. And here at Stonebridge, that mainly looks like connection groups. You know, our goal really is that our church would be a church of small groups and not just a church with small groups. I would love it if someone's first experience with our church was a small group, a connection group, and not here on Sunday morning. We get together, we eat, we share joys and struggles, pray for each other, read and apply the Bible together and be generous with one another. Sunday morning is still necessary. It's still good, but especially as we move to two services, it's going to become more and more difficult to be devoted to togetherness. It's already hard to do that on a Sunday morning. Move to two services, it becomes more difficult. So get in a connection group. 
You'd fill out the bottom of your bulletin, hand it to me, hand it to Joey, put it in the offering box, put it, put it on the welcome table, or just talk to us. We'd love to help you get into a community like this. I mean, one reason I'm so excited about two services is to help people see their greater need for a connection group because they'll realize, oh, wow, I, I'm becoming more and more distant because there's more and more people and I can't see everyone every week. And, and so then they'll see the need to be devoted to that. Now, devotion to only one of these things actually produces distraction from Jesus. Let, let me show you what I mean. So if you're only devoted to the apostles' teaching, to Scripture, you'll have a lot of in-depth substance without relationship. You know, you could listen to sermons online. You could slip in and out on Sunday morning without talking to anybody. You could go to a Bible study. But if you have no real interaction with other believers, it's just going to produce lots of head knowledge that puffs you up. But love builds up. If you're only devoted to eating together, You'll have a strong relationship with some people without any substance. Well, you might have some physical substance, but um, anyway, if you're devoted just to eating together, hang out with other believers without ever praying, hang out with other believers without ever discussing anything about Jesus. Pretty soon it turns into gossip. Pretty soon it becomes really self-centered and exclusive and comfortable. And that's not what this is describing in Acts. And that's not what we're called to as believers. If you're only devoted to praying together, you end up having generic, weak prayers without any relationship and without any substance. It's like cutting off the fuel for your prayer because the fuel for our prayer should be God's word and relationship with one another. I can't pray for you as well as I could pray for you if I know you and the struggles you're going through, the things you're dealing with in life. If you're only devoted to being generous with one another, and I doubt this is the case for anybody, but if you're only devoted to being generous with each other, it becomes superficial, becomes obligatory. It's obligation instead of love. We need devotion to the Word. We need devotion to eating together, to prayer and to generosity. And without one, our togetherness suffers. So, what were the results of them being devoted to this type of togetherness here? Well, first, awe. Look in verse 43, and awe came upon every soul. Everybody. Everybody was in awe. They were amazed at God himself. They were amazed at what Jesus did by coming, dying, and rising from the dead. They were amazed at the the togetherness and love that was happening in this community. They were amazed at God's grace through Christ. They were amazed at God working in and through them. Have you lost your awe for God? And his work. The solution isn't to try harder to be amazed by God. The the solution is to devote yourself to your togetherness, to community. We help each other, remind each other how amazing God is in his work. Another result was miracles were happening. Verse 43 many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. In the coming chapters, we're going to hear about some of those signs and wonders, and it's going to be pretty, pretty awesome. 
But all of this happens. We'll see as they're just walking to the temple, as they're just doing these ordinary things, God does some extraordinary things through them. If you're never seeing extraordinary supernatural things happen in your life as a believer, don't try harder to do signs and wonders and miracles. Devote yourself to togetherness and be open to those type of things. I think we need a new definition of miracles. Yes, it could be healings. Yes, it could be casting out demons. Or it could be the miracle of a spiritually dead person coming to life. It could be the miracle of new birth. It could be the miracle of your boss not being a jerk. (laughs) Right? We need to redefine that a little bit. We need to devote ourselves to the ordinary things. And then expect God to do extraordinary things. Another result is they had favor with people, it says in verse 47. So as they loved each other and cared for each other like real family, everyone noticed. And even if they didn't believe in Jesus, even if they weren't following Jesus, they found it attractive. We'll see even in coming chapters, the people who were persecuting the believers admired what was happening because they were jealous and afraid of what might happen because of this community going on. So they knew it was powerful. So do people that disagree with you and what you believe still find you loving? Do they still find the community you're part of as attractive? See, don't try harder to be liked by other people. You'll just end up making a God of other people. Devote yourself to togetherness to strengthen your love for other people. Another result is that salvations happen. It said day uh, by day, God added to their number those who were being saved. God did it. I love that. The pressure's off, right? He saves. He's the Savior, not you. And people were added every day. It's incredible. Have you lost your desire for the lost to be found? Don't become hyper-focused on other people being saved if you don't have much of a desire for people to be saved. Don't become hyper-focused on that. Devote yourself to community, to togetherness, to strengthen your desire for the lost. Now I have one last question. Why did devotion to this type of community produce these powerful results? Right, if you remember in Acts 1.14, they were also devoting themselves to this type of community in a very similar way. But this crazy stuff was not happening. What changed? The Holy Spirit came. God himself is now living inside of them. And that's where their power is coming from. Their power even to be devoted to these mundane things is coming from the Holy Spirit now. Acts 1.8 Jesus says to them, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. See, it was way less about their devotion and way more about the Holy Spirit's power. If you feel inadequate, if you feel really afraid, the answer isn't to white-knuckle it, muster up more courage. The answer is to tap into the power that's already inside of you in the Holy Spirit. 
See, Jesus lived, He died, He rose from the dead, and went up to heaven to empower not just me, but us. The early church understood that the Holy Spirit in we is greater than the Holy Spirit just in me. If you have a lack of the Holy Spirit's power flowing through you, you probably need some more we going on in your life. And I don't mean Nintendo, although that's fun. You know, we've been talking in our connection groups as we've been going through Acts, and, and the one I'm, I've been attending, we, we've been talking about reaching out to other people and just loving on other people and getting to know people who are already around us. And I've had three opportunities to take a step, to take an action step and just reach out and get to know some people and love on some people in my life. And I took two out of those three. If I wouldn't have been talking about it with that community, I would have done it zero out of three times. Because the Holy Spirit in we is more powerful than the Holy Spirit just in me. We need one another. See, I don't have a chance living a devoted life to Jesus on my own, much less leading Jesus' church. So, Heather, can you come up here? I didn't tell her this was going to happen. So, if Heather and I, if Heather and I are, are together, let's go down here. I feel like we're getting married or something. Um, <laughs> already happened. Um, so, if Heather and I are walking forward together, there's some strength. But what about those times when we're both discouraged? What do you do then? Well, can I have, when I have the elders and the staff come up? See, as we add more and more people, invite more and more people into our lives and really let them in. Here, we'll go the other way. That's, yeah. Um, <laughs> but it, as you let them in, you gain strength and you gain power. But what if, what if all of us are just having crummy weeks the devil's really lying to us. It's just hard to live for Jesus. Couples who are leading connection groups, come on up. Don't worry, I'm stopping there. Everyone else can breathe. <laughs> See, look at these people. Who are these people in your life? If you don't have these people in your life, it's going to be really hard to follow Jesus. Jesus told us it would be hard following him. That's why he gave us the Holy Spirit. But he didn't stop there. He gave us one another. Because really, the Holy Spirit in we is more powerful than the Holy Spirit just in me. Let's pray. God, I thank you for all these people who are around me right now. And I pray, God, that you would provide those type of people for everyone in here. We really, we really need one another, God. And so I pray that you would help us to live more as a family. Forgive us for all the times that as a church, as Stonebridge Church, we have not done a good job as acting like real family. I know I've been guilty of that. I know all of us have been guilty of just being too selfish and focused on our own needs and desires and wants. 
Give us that type of togetherness, God, that, that we would be open with our, our homes, open with our pocketbooks, open with every single area of our lives, God. And I pray that as people see that, they will go, wow, I want that. I don't know what's going on there, but I need that. Just draw people to yourself through the community we have here, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen.